Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. From the Society for Nautical Research, in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation, I'm Sam Willis, and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast, the world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. Hello everyone and welcome to the Mariner's Mirror podcast. Today we continue our mini-series on Maritime Australia. We are now well into our series with numerous episodes covering many centuries of maritime historical topics. We've covered the Dutch arrival, the pirate and explorer William Dampier, the collections of the Queensland Maritime Museum, the Brisbane Dry Dock. And there's some really fabulous video content to go alongside all of this. So do please check out the Mariner's Mirror podcast's YouTube channel, Instagram, Instagram Reels and TikTok. There's a particularly good animated map showing Dampier's route to Australia and the location of the Roebuck's wreck. Today we're talking about a really splendid little vessel, one of the loveliest little historical projects I've come across in recent years. We're finding out about the pearling lugger Penguin. The pearling industry was one of Northern Australia's major industries of the late 19th and early 20th centuries and built in 1907 for a pearling company based on Thursday Island. That's in the southwest of the Torres Strait, so just off the coast of Cape York at the very top of Queensland. The penguin is one of the few surviving pearling luggers to retain much of its original construction and layout and she's the only Queensland-built lugger in a museum collection. It's also significant for its association with the Japanese lugger builder Sugitaro Furuta, one of Australia's major lugger builders of the time. She's important for the service during World War II and finally for service to the Dawan Island community. That's a really fascinating little island in the Torres Strait off the southern coast of Papua New Guinea. Now this is a particularly wonderful interview because while I was there, the guys who were cleaning out the ship's hull appeared with some beautiful oyster shells they had just recovered from the hull and washing them off in front of us we saw that lovely iridescent sheen of a pearl oyster shine for the first time in perhaps over a century. Make sure to find the Mariner's Mirror podcast on Instagram and the Society for Nautical Research on Twitter and Facebook to see those shells. But without further ado here are the welcoming, the entertaining, the knowledgeable and the similarly named Russ and Russell. Russell. 
So what is your background in, um, in, in timber shipbuilding and surveying? Uh, 1960 I started a timber boat building course uh, with A.W. Pryor in Norman Creek here in Brisbane and uh, worked there until 1965, then went out and worked for a couple of the foremans and leading hands that broke out on their own in timber. Yeah. And then I thought I needed a bit of an adventure. So after shipwrights and boat builders in Port Moresby and Papua New Guinea. And uh, I went there in 1966 and I stayed there until 1985. Um, the nice part about that was is that Steamship Slipway and Burns Phillip and uh, Carpenters and all the island uh, companies had huge amounts of island traders in timber and were just getting into steel. And uh, so the timber work up there was just brilliant and then steel came in and then I saw the opportunity in 1969 to go into self-employment and I've been self-employed since 1969 to present day. Fantastic, yeah. that's a bit of an achievement, well done you. And, and tell me more about shipbuilding in Papua New Guinea, that sounds amazing. Mm. Yeah, well that, that's, that's a wonderful part about it is, is that um, most, most of the timber boats were, were built, designed and built in Australia yeah. and they were scows in those sorts of things and they were coastal trading vessels and generally they started about 50 feet and went up to 75 to 80 feet in timber. There are a few left over from World War II and they were the 200 tonners in timber built in Tasmania and the rest of the boats were in 40, 45 foot, 60 footers ex-Defence um, Force boats that had been up there in the islands and then had been bought by the, uh, the large island groups and turned them into cargo boats. Uh, that was a shortfall because the industry up there was copra and rubber uh, plantations and also the missionaries. And then the missionaries started getting boats uh, built in Australia, in Balna in New South Wales, um, Bundaberg in, in, in Queensland, north of Brisbane. And, um, and, and they were, again, that was another fleet in itself in timber. Now, the, the nice thing about being a boat builder there is that the tropics was just a great place for wood decay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it was a full-time job keeping the <laughs> de decay out of them and keep them operational. Yeah. All the boats were in survey, and generally uh, what was happening is that the master and the engineer were expatriates, and then the rest were Papua New Guinea crew. And as time moved on, uh, if you had two expats or four expats, you had to have eight Papua New Guineans. So the line was there to train these people. Mm -hmm. um, myself, in 69, I discovered that there was a great opportunity to go into self-enterprise. And I talked to a couple of um, Papua New Guinea uh, boat builders that I was working with. Um, I was you know, 22 at the time. And I suggested to them that they join me. And they did, which was very, very nice and we, we formed a company and they then become directors of the company and because I knew that I was not going to be a Papua New Guinean for life, I thought to myself, well, these guys will need a, a longevity and a place to train people and to build boats. So we then got in touch with the, uh, the PNG government and they had a nautical college on the other side of the island, Madang, and they were writing a syllabus. So we helped write the boat building and shipwright syllabus. Right. Good for and, you. Yes, yes. And we put, straight away, we put two of our younger guys straight out of the bush. And the nice part about Papua New Guineans or anyone else that didn't have any bad habits is that 
they absorb knowledge yeah. like a sponge. Yeah. And if you said this is the way to do a dovetail joint or a butt joint or stuff like that, that was the way, in my view, that they did it. And and we never had any failures in that degree. Wonderful. And what was the access to timber like in Papua New Guinea? Uh, well, in the beginning, uh, at steamships, for instance, the, the, the big timbers were all brought in from Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the spotted gums and, and the iron barks and those things, and the Oregon were imported and those things. Eventually, as the species were become known locally, the, the equivalent for spotted gum and iron bark was a timber called quila. Then we found out the quila wouldn't, the Torito worms just used to say, put more quila below the waterline, <laughs> yeah, and they I'm would hungry. chew it. Oh, they would jump out of the water to eat it. So we thought that wasn't a good idea. So we, we learned very quickly that quila was a wonderful timber above the waterline for decking, for beams, for stringers, and all those things. Uh, then, of course, the, the equivalent for Oregon was a, another a species there that we got an equivalent in, in the species. And as the country developed, we had the uh, botanists and all those things there and they were just mirror imaging what was imported and said, hey, we've got rosewood, we have cedar, we have uh, beech and those things in the equivalent in the Papua New Guinea species. Mm-hmm. So in the end, we really, as long as we sourced it and, and, and booked in advance, the, the timber was plentiful. Yeah. Amazing stuff. So let's talk about this vessel, your current project. You're sitting here with it looming above you, the wonderful penguin. Um, How long have you guys been working on this? Well, uh, I think this group um, started in September uh, 2020. That's right. And no, 2021. That's when we got together. It had been sort of here since 19... 85 right. when it came on a barge and then put on the hard stand and then was sitting here where had it come from do you know that uh i believe it came from thursday island right uh, where where it was actually built hands up if you don't know where thursday island is <laughs> i've never even heard of thursday island okay but where is thursday island imagine australia looking at the map yeah and you go up to the right hand side you see you know, the, the Cape York, yeah. and then just travel your finger to the left and you'll see Thursday on, then you'll see Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, my, I, I haven't done a lot of inquiries into the design or builder, but I believe it was the Japanese uh, who started up there in the late 1800s and um, built, started designing and building these and on Thursday Island primarily for pearling because the Japanese were already involved in that industry. Yeah, okay. and, and, and I believe from what I, I've been told is that the, the Japanese guy that designed built 30 of these vessels on Thursday Island. Right. The interesting thing about this is that there's no timber on Thursday Island. Right. So the timber was sourced from Australia and the Aboriginals right, ferried across the sawn knees from the mangroves and the tea trees yeah. on the mainland and sold it to the Japanese. Okay, yeah. so already pre-prepared to a certain extent. Well, they were, they were the right shape. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and edged into submission by the Japanese. That's my belief. The, just talking about the timber on Penguin, we all know that it's 114 or 115 years of age, but being the marine surveyor, and, and the, the nice thing about this is to say, well, that's fine. How old's the timber in it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, so I made some inquiries into Griffiths University, which is all around us here, right? And we found, we found um, uh, Heather Haynes, Dr. Heather Haynes, who was, 
who was into the timber. Now I didn't know what to call someone that did carbon dating, but I've been watching Time Team, the UK yeah, yeah, show, yeah. for years and years and years. Yeah. And I used to see them bring in this guy and he'd drill a hole in it. And I took a photograph of his, of his professional name. And that's how I discovered Heather. If you have a look over here, you'll see the part there we've cut out which had Torito worm in the bottom of the deadwood there. See that hole there? Yes, OK, got it. Yeah. Yep. Well, once, once we talked to Heather and we found that she wasn't here, she was actually working on projects in Sydney. And as it turned out, once we said that this is, this is what we wanted done, she said, I'll get some funding and I'll get up here. She came up here... And John, who's related to the founding fathers of the penguin, when she turned up, he says, OK, love, I've got a chainsaw. He said, what sort of sampling do you want? And she took out a little scalpel and she said, oh, I think, John, this, I'll be able to do this. So <laughs> we're just, more subtle. Yeah, so we're waiting for the actual carbon dating of the keel and certain other parts of the boat that we think that were original. Amazing. So that's a pretty exciting part, yeah. Right, you guys have brought something over. What have you brought for me? What is, um, so they've brought uh, some stuff. This is oh, John. Yeah, g'day. Uh, just been taking out the ballast out of the, out of the um, uh, hull inside internally and found, uh, I, I, hate to, I hate to guess how old these are. Uh, these, uh, these mother of pearl there, pearl shell. Let's have a look at From these. Thursday Island. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So uh, yep, yep. Big. they would have been harvested for the pearl inside. Yeah. The meat. It's about the, the size of a dinner plate. Yeah, about the size. Small, they make, small, they small, make, small, they, small, once they're cleaned up, they're beautiful. Beautiful uh, uh, entree plates, you know. Oh. You know, when, you know, if you're not serve seafood or whatever, it's yep. a great idea. But the and these other ones, cone-shaped ones here, are trochus. Trochus, yeah. And it's they like make, use the them for making buttons and shaking the old and and jewellery. And see how beautiful it is when Amazing. it's polished. Yeah, yeah. really shiny, yeah. gorgeous. And it's got this nice kind of pink colour to it as well. Yeah, they, a lot of them have this, you know, uh, and some of them. But see, once again, I, I don't know how the old these are, but they've been around for a while inside <laughs> the hull there. Um, so yeah. this, this could be a significant age that have just been uh, sitting inside the boat. Yeah, they were caught behind the stringers inside the boat. So they're the, they're the big pieces of timber yeah, yeah. that run through the through the hull from bow to stern. And I've just been taking the ballast out and uh, found them tucked up, you know, caught it in there. They obviously, this crew didn't find them when they were unloading each time and all that sort of thing. So What a great find. Amazing. I think what we might do is just give these a bit of a clean up and I can take some photos of them. Yeah, yeah, we might be able to, I, I might be able to find a little um, a scrubbing brush type thing. Mm. To give them, I'll take mm. them that, uh, up to the tank now. Yeah, give them a rinse. And, and uh, give them a rinse and see. Uh, we'll bring them back. I'll take some photos. Yes, yeah. go, go for it. Bendy. And that one and that one, and I'll, t yeah, I'll take a few of these up. Uh, and man who's been working on a ship and he can't move. Righto, well done. Good back. work, John, thank you. No worries. All right, magnificent. Well, that's exciting. A bit of a archaeology. So, um, what are the challenges on looking after a ship this old? Well, the challenges uh, have been really good, considering that what we've got, we've got good bones. And, and the fact that um, it's, it's operated in salt water most of its life, so the salt has been preserving most of the timber. Good. And I think most of the damage in cause of rot is from 1985 when it came ashore, you know, and the rainwater went through the decks. Because in the olden days, um, and, and, and guys that taught me my trade used to build a couple of these in Brisbane back in the 40s, and they said they'd put salt boxes down under the aft deck. So when the deck sort of started to leak, the rainwater would go down and go into the salt, and the salt had little cutouts in it. So the water went down there, and then the salt penetrated from the counter all the way down, and that preserved the boat. And, and of course, the rest of the place, when they put in the trocher shells and the, and the pearls, all, everything salt came in over the top of the hatch and into the bilges, 
So, and this in, these never had an engine until the 50s. Right. They all sailed, yeah. all of them sailed. And as you can see, the propeller and where the propeller shaft goes, that's been modified uh, from a sailing boat which which just had a keel yes. and they've had to put a hole through it and do those bits and things and we've just recently taken out an engine which supposedly didn't belong to it but uh, we, we're convinced that it had an engine in there similar like a 4LW Gardener yeah. Yeah. Okay. and um, the w my job primarily was that I promised the the penguin uh, volunteers that I would make a historical vessel it did have a unique vessel identification with Australian Maritime Safety Authority that we would give it a class of Class 1D which would be passengers around Moreton Bay yep. for 35 plus 2 crew. I've done all that paperwork and paid the fees on it. Uh, the second thing I said that because we had no drawings and the Japanese had no drawings, they all did this by line, eye and line, um, that we got 3D imaging and we got the 3D imaging guy in and he's done a 3D imaging. The wonderful company of about 108 years old or more, Norman Wrights and Son, they put their hand up and said, you get the 3D imaging, we'll give you the drawings. Okay. So that's in process. Um, the other thing that I promised I'd do, we need to knock out a few keel bolts yep. right, to make sure that they haven't got corrosion in them. Uh, and that's yet to be done. We've identified which ones we'll take out. The rest we'll do through non-destructive testing. It's from the inside on the top of the, the, the bolt mm -hmm. and knocked down. There's lots with nuts on top of them, but the original ones have just been burred over like a washer. No threads. A washer wow. and ball paint over, yeah. and that's been the, the holding the, 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 the structure together. The fastenings through the planking it, and the, the frames are all sawn frame timbers, yep. not steam bent, all cut by hand, adds, saw, no electrical equipment. And they've all got bronze dumps, cast bronze dumps. Right. And they've been driven in with a maul and a punch and punched in. Well, you know, if you look at the modern time, they want through fastenings. And my argument would be to say, well, hard to argue against about this old, and, and we, we've made a device now that when we take out a rotten plank, we save the nails. We, we're going to put the same fastings back in it. Ha, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, that's a kind of level of, uh, of, of uh, conservation that I admire and I, I like. Well, we, we are saving it as we take planks off too. It's the old story. They're worn on the top, but when you roll them over, mm -hmm. yeah, so we, we're saying, well, let's not cut them into short pieces. Let's try and save them as long as they, yeah. as we can get them because we've got to redeck it at some stage. And, and so every bit of timber that comes out, it, it get, got to pass. Russell, who's the, uh, the shipwright um, uh, project manager, and myself, and we just say, yes, it's in, or no, it's not. And you can see some spars over here, yeah. which uh, initially I said, every bit of paint on the vessel has to come off so we can identify where we've got a, uh, a fungus, a spore, in, in, in wood rot of some degree and we've managed to take the paint off that and they found a bit of rot so they put a graving piece in which is another small piece of timber and it's glued and we've saved these spars. Uh, so that's what we're doing there and you'll notice here that the paint's been taken off and one would look at and say oh well there's some planks there that are suspicious, they are, but, the, but all that has got two pack epoxy wood preserver on it. So every time we take the paint off 
that day it gets wood preserver on it. Yeah, okay. Now it, the plank may take off, but we need to know what quantities of timber we need to do in the future mm -hmm. because timber is scarce and because it's such a boat, we've got to get long lengths so that we don't have all the butts. Uh, you can see that the butts have sort of married up together well. I think that was a band-aid system back in Thursday Island when they might have had a ding and they've said, well, just throw a plank in there. It's not going to matter. Yeah. But it matters to us now. Yeah. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What do we know about the rig of this kind of vessel? I don't know much about the rig at all, except that it's, um, uh, it's a, catch, a gaff catch, and it's got dead eyes, and it's it, all the traditional sort of stuff that you would think, you know, with that type of stuff. No, no sophisticated, you know, Hark and FICO blocks or those things. Yeah. It was all hard yak, pull through dead eyes, tied off on cleats and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you and, mentioned that it's going to be for 30 of your passengers and two crew. Was it, mm -hmm. Would this have been operated by two people? No, no, sorry. I, I meant to say we got, I put down for five. Oh, OK. Yeah, five. Yeah, five So crew. five, five, five yeah, crew. Yeah. Um, should we have a little wander around? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Mm. Yeah. Um, this is, this is something that, um, yeah, part of the history and stuff like that, you notice that this is a wooder. We're looking, wood, at, looking at the, uh, a, the rudder. Yeah. rudder, that's right, a, a rudder blade. The stock is timber, and the, that goes all the way up through to the top to a tiller, mm -hmm. and that was a steering device. Yeah. Now, in 1966, when I went to Papua New Guinea, there was 40 K-boats, scows. They all had timber rudders timber rudder posts and they had a quadrant on the top that, that had chains attached that went through pulleys to like an anchor windlass in the wheelhouse right, with okay. a wheel. Yeah, yeah. So I come here, you know, and, and 108 years ago, this is what they put on it and I went there in 1966. So all this to me is I, I understand this. Yeah, yeah and you've a been big, working with it. And a big hole through there where the rudder stock goes up and uh, we'll see that when we walk so up into the... It's kind of a real living tradition, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So walking round here now, uh, onto the starboard side, got a nice collection of timbers here. Um, this is some of the spars we were talking about, which you've stripped back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
the penguin volunteers have got this. You can see these ones have taken right back to bare timber. They've scraped it all back. Any any rot, they've put a little bit of filler in, but any big pieces, they put a, a, a new piece on the end. So that's now got wood preserver in it, so it, it stays there because we've taken it off the vessel and we're keeping that. Uh, that's not going into the tip. And you've got some, these are, these are planks that are being taken off here. Uh, that's, now, uh, these are called ceilings and and all of the vessels had planking on the inside on the sawn frames yeah so, so uh, and, and we need to take all these out but to see the condition of the sawn frames and the and the timbers on planking on the inside these have all been numbered and part of these also are bulkhead we had two bulkheads in there partially not 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 complete I would have thought in the day they would have been fully um, watertight but we've inherited something which has had a gap in the middle of it. So we, we're keeping what we can, uh, as you can see here, where it's come out, P3. So we've labelled all these things, Russell and... Right, and, and a, that's a storage Yeah, that, and as you see, it was rotten. So that's come out, that goes up above, and that's the bulwark goes on the side of that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's a nice uh, it's a rig here, that either. That's, that's block. A, a block without yeah. a sheave. Yes. And so we're keeping all of this stuff to clean up and, and where it can be refurbished, we put back on the boat. Right. Well, let's get up on deck and have a look, guys. I have to leave you because I've got a job to go to. Sorry. Okay, so nice. better take this off and put this on Russell. Listen, thank you so much for your time. That was just oh, fantastic. Thanks. We look forward to the story. Okay, so uh, we swapped over now. Russ has gone, but I'm with Russell, so basically <laughs> it doesn't make much difference to anyone. Uh, we're oh. now going to be climbing up on deck. He's a surveyor. I'm a shipwright. Oh, there we are. Know. Let's keep. Let's get. Let's get it right. <laughs> <laughs> and which is the most important? The shipwright, <laughs> because he takes all the surveyors, all the marine architects' mistakes, and fixes them. <laughs> <coughs> I've actually done shipwright lofting as well, right. you know, so I've taken both, I've taken plans from naval architects and then developed them out full size on a big floor, yep. like a big dance floor, and then made templates for every part of a steel ship. Amazing. So here we are up on deck of the Penguin, <laughs> and um, phew, there's a, some work needs to be done. There are some op big open hatches and holes everywhere. But um, there's, a, there's enough of it of the original vessel here to be turned into something very special. Yeah, well, that's that's correct. And the process that we have encompassed is the fact that uh, all the work that we do will be to AMSA, which is Australian Maritime Services Association, I think, um, to their uh, accreditation uh, and. Uh, to their survey requirements. Because our aim is, is that what we do when we're finished here will be a lasting and a fitting tribute to what the boat really was. You know, we're, we're using many of the old techniques. We've actually made some of the frames and chopped them out with an adze. Brilliant. You know, um, yeah, so, so that's the basic concept. So what happens is that Russ, our surveyor, goes through and he gives me a list that says, this needs attention. And then we've put together a, a program and we've developed the skills of all these guys. Uh, the unique part about this project is that 
the only people that are really qualified in or experienced in boat building or surveying are Russ, the two Russells. Um, so basically not only is our job the case of fix it, we've also got to develop the skills of the people that here yeah. and they've responded very well and they've now after six months have come to the stage where I can say just go and do that and know that it's going to be done. How many people are on your team? There's only five people on the five or six people on the team. Uh, they're all volunteers and they all come. We had two days a week. Uh, I'm here Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, some come Tuesdays, some come Thursdays. So probably what you saw today would be well, there were one, four or five people, including this after yeah. plus myself of what we've achieved thus far. Yeah, I'll just say, John's just turned up. So, John, we're up here. See there? Uh, yeah. We'll go and pop down with see him, see him in a minute. Yeah. Uh, he's returned with the, with the pearls. Yeah, John! He's deaf too. Is he? <laughs> we're up here, mate. Um, so, basically, this refit is probably number three. Um, when it came down from Thursday Island, I guess they'd have shown you photos on the main order, it was in a pretty poor state. Mm. So for Expo 88 and 1988, they, um, they titivated it up because of the museum, because Expo was at South Bank, and then it was moved to this location, and unfortunately because of the lack of volunteers and possibly the the lack of understanding, it was just allowed to sit here. And fresh water and boats don't mix. Um, and I'm sure Russ would have... Yeah, no, explained <laughs> about the rainwater was the problem. Yeah. So basically, when we, we came on board, we had to... We made a decision that we would start working on the port bow initially. Because on the port side, the deck had been... was totally gone and there was a big planks in the side were totally gone as well so we've we've worked through we've removed the damaged planks and if we go down inside you take some photos you can see where here we've made new frames now the interesting thing about this boat is that when you talk about a frame on a boat you normally think of one piece of timber the frame on this boat is three pieces of timber. Right. So the frame is actually 210 mil wide by 80 mil thick. All right, and they're all bolted together to form one tang. It's called double planking, double de uh, framing. Yeah. All right. The idea is that the two outer ones pass uh, the joints are. Um, uh, elongated so they're not in the same plate so you've got a center one that goes down then you put two on the outside to secure the three of them together to give right. it strength and people need to and one thing people don't understand is that when you build a boat it's a simple process you lay the keel you put the frames on you put the stringers on and then you put the plank on so everything, oops, everything's got a, a process. Yeah. Now hang on, 
We're not replacing the keel, so it's got to stay there. We're not replacing the stringers inside because they're good, but we've got to replace that frame. Yeah, tricky. And it's got to come out of a piece of timber, right? And some of this has come out of a piece of timber that's up to 300 mil wide to give a 100 mil plank because of the shape. Yeah. So we've had to make templates of each shape, and that's pretty imaginative when you can't just pull a line off of the floor, there's no lines plans for this boat, and you cut them out and you fit them in um, and you learn the tolerances and then they go in. Um, so that's what we've done there. So we've replaced something like 20 individual planks, which if you take 20 divided by 3, there's probably only seven, 7 frames there that have, we've replaced, but we've had to hack out yeah. of hard, seasoned hardwood. You know, and if you know Queensland hardwoods, they're like tough, steel. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we'll now go through the process of, um, now that we've got this to a certain stage, some would like to see it all looking nice and pretty, but it doesn't work like that. We'll now move down to the stern, and we're going to run into even greater challenges under there, because I'll give you an example across here. <coughs> Across here, there's a beam to be replaced. That beam down the bottom there, yeah, see? Yeah, It's 190 mil deep by 100 mil wide by 3.6 metres long. We've got to fit <laughs> one right, in there. Right in the middle. Uh, and oh. then we've got another one up the other end. Yeah. You can see the little bit of dry rot there just after the mark. Oh, yeah, I can see. All right? And it's got all these other pieces notched into it. Yeah, it's like a hideous three-dimensional <laughs> jigsaw which has been put together by someone else and you've got to kind of replace it. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's wonderful seeing this vessel and um, listen, thank you very much for showing me around. No, you're welcome. Now, thank you all for listening. It's my turn to ask of you a favour. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a review. If you do so, I promise I'll read it out. It helps a huge deal because the more reviews we get, the easier it is for people to find us and therefore the more we can teach people about the maritime past. Please don't forget that this podcast comes from both the Society for Nautical Research and the Lloyds Register Foundation. You can find the History and Education Centre of the Lloyds Register Foundation at hec.lrfoundation.org.uk. And please make certain that you check out their latest project, Maritime Innovation in Miniature. Google it, Maritime Innovation in Miniature, and you will see the world's greatest ship models filmed with the very latest camera equipment. We've already got a handful of models up and they're going to be many more coming soon. The Society for Nautical Research you can find at snr.org.uk and that is where you go to join up. It's a fabulous way to meet people, to find out all about the maritime past from the very best in the business. And if you're a full member, you get to come to our annual dinner on board HMS Victory or HMS Warrior. And that is something you will never forget. Forget.